Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Trot's Life. Uh, hour two and the return of arguably our most popular, uh, popular segment over the years, the Tuesday tutorial. Now, it's not a harness racing tutorial, but we have learned over the years, Moles Fitzner, Mitchell Bayer, the Peacock, the World Cup King, that you can learn by broadening your horizons. And that's why we've got a much-loved greyhound legend, a man that many of our listeners here on SEN Track will be au fait and familiar with. We call him 48 Shades of Love and Affection, at least I do. His real name is Toddy Gray. How are you, Toddy? I'm brilliant now with an introduction like that. I have to bring you down to my local on a ladies' night, actually. You might do me a lot of favours. I can be a good wingman. Um, yeah. I can sometimes be dangerous. But I'm, if you just say be wingman, J-Bot, I can do that as well. Um, Toddy, as I mentioned, you're a very uh, familiar and popular voice on SEN track. But for those who don't know you here, the harness racing people in particular, and maybe the odd thoroughbred person listening in today, first of all, I want to get stuck into the tutorial as quickly as we can, but give a little bit of a backstory on the... The world of Toddy Gray, it's a dynastic situation in greyhound racing, isn't it? You, you're not a first-generation punter and form analyst. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, third generation on both sides, to be honest. Um, honestly, if it wasn't for greyhound racing, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. My mum and dad would have walked past each other a hundred <laughs> times in the street and never known each other's names. Um, yeah, in a nutshell, uh, my grandfather on my dad's side was a bookie, uh, John Gray. My father was a bookie, Vaughan Gray. On my mother's side, Alec Oliver was a trainer. My mother was a trainer, Pam Gray. Um, I don't think it's ironic that my last name is Gray as well. Um, ev- honestly, a bit of a brag here, but everything you can do in the greyhound racing industry, the Greys have done it twice. Um, just born into the game and have never, ever, ever, ever wavered from stepping away from it at any point. It's in the blood and it's going to be in the blood forever in a day. So I'm intrigued by this, first of all. I know the game has changed significantly, but I'll tell you what you were bred to be. A bookie. What's that? A bookie. But and I know yeah. the bookmaking game has changed significantly, uh, certainly since your grandfather's day and even since your father's day. But I'm assuming you would have done some work in that department. And this is a great way to launch the tutorial. If you have or what you've learned from your father and your grandfather, how much has been on the other side of the punting um, mentality landscape? How much does that help you actually as a punter? Heaps, uh, heaps, heaps and heaps. Uh, before I started really calling myself a punter, obviously I was a bookies clerk. Um, I never worked for my grandfather, John, because he, he passed away, unfortunately, when I was nine. But I worked as a clerk for my, uh, for my dad's plenty. And we're talking in the old tickets and sheets days, you know. Um, so I, I, my, one of my highlights was all those years ago when the Oak Bank races had a blackout and uh, there wasn't any bookie on track you could field because they all had the old operator boards and the ticket machines and that. Uh, my old man, though, he still had tickets and sheets in the back. So we had it was like going stepping back 20 years in the past. We just had a line-up in front of us forever and a day. And there's all these people who are probably in their 40s, 50s, and 60s with decades of uh, racing experience under their belts. They couldn't, they couldn't ride a sheet to save their lives. <laughs> so um, being, a, being, brought up with, being brought up in a bookie and all that, obviously that helped me learn percentage like you wouldn't believe, which is something I'm sure we're going to talk about that is pivotal to anything. But, uh, and then just seeing how certain people, obviously you learn the, with the regulars and all that, seeing how certain people bet, seeing how, you know, I used to wonder, why is this guy backing four dogs in this one race? This is before Betfair or anything was around. That's because his market had the favourite three or four times as long. He was happy to invest a certain amount and make 20% on his money and stuff like that. So you just pick up these little things and all that. And 
you know, you learn, you learn things, you go, that actually makes a lot of sense. And other people doing things, you go, that makes absolutely none. And you just, yeah, you do. You learn, you learn by watching, you learn by hearing, you learn by seeing. And then eventually it all learned to, to learn by doing. I'm intrigued by all of this. So, because most punters, uh, four analysts, uh, haven't had much experience in that world, and they aren't two different worlds because on one side you're trying to make sure the punters don't win, and on, on the other side you're trying to make sure the punters do win. But critically, being a bookie and what you w- would have learned, you are you are punting, aren't you? It, 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 you're punting on the other side because you're trying to get the prices right. Um, you would have worked out the concepts of liability and, as you mentioned, things like backing several runners in, in the same race because – Price is king, and we will talk about percentage really soon because I know it's something you're passionate about. And interestingly, most people actually um, start punting or start doing their form, and then down the track they learn about percentages. And some people aren't even that um, – uh, uh, they, they don't focus on, on that so much. M- Mitch Abaya, I don't think, you know, worries about percentage too much. He likes to just find the runners that he thinks can win – um, uh, I think Matty Lappin, who's one of our, our greats, we spoke to him earlier on today. He does percentages, but he's very much looking at the top of the market and what price he's willing to take about the run that he likes. But you learned the other way around. So you learned by trying to get markets right, and I'm sure that's yeah. helped you a hell of a lot as you've gone forward. Uh, absolutely. You could, couldn't have summed, up, um, summed that up any better. You're right, because you are. You are, you are a a punter, but rather than taking on the betting, the betting firms trying to make a profit, you are the betting firms trying to take on the punters to make a profit. Uh, y- yeah, look, the percentage is always going to be key and all that to mind. And yet you do, you just, you, you learn by doing. And I've, I, you know, even when I was doing the sheets and when I was growing up before I was even old enough to bet and all that, I, I remember some of the regulars at the dogs, they used to do their own markets as well. And it meant nothing to me when my dad was telling me, but like he'd be like, "Oh, don't pay attention to that." Like, have you seen his markets? They work out to about eighty percent. He just goes, "This guy's markets are one hundred and eighty. To me, I'm just sitting there going, "Like, none of this." It was all just like when when Charlie Brown's parents talk in peanuts. So it was just none of it was making any sense to me. But my my old man just didn't know how to, I guess, dumb it down if that makes sense because he was doing it for decades and everything. And eventually, with years of getting a few more years under the belt. You learn all these things, and you grow up going, "Oh yeah, when I was about sixteen, I thought that bloke was a genius." Then, when you turn to be about twenty-four, you go, "He was a numpty. What was he doing?" Like, he was, you know. Uh, well, I guess what I got to say is, no, there is no right way or wrong way. Like, some people believe it, some people don't. Um, when it comes to, like I said, percentages, doing your own markets, and all that stuff, it's you find what works for you. And I know, I, I know what I like. So I like what I do. And um, if anyone else says they don't agree, fair enough. But I'm never going to tell anyone I don't agree with what they do. I guess in the at the end of the day, you find what works for you. And if it makes you a profit at the end of the year, then stick with it because you don't go broke winning. I think we might clip what you just set up and make it the uh, the new stinger for the tutorial because this is what we, I've been saying for now the last couple of years. While we've been doing this, in, in fact, for the last eleven years, punting personality. Find what yeah. works for you and. Where back in the day, there was probably only one or two ways to skin a cat. That's just not the way these days. With Betfair, uh, with multiple different types of markets, um, in transit, different uh, formats of betting, sport punting against racing punting, it's very different. So there are a lot of different ways to do it. Critically, here's the difference with percentages. Uh, and just to get back to a previous point, we do do this a lot. I do this a lot. Oh, uh, we, we, we spe- well, when I got off tangent, yeah. Sorry. No, but, no, but we, we speak in uh, – we can, racing people uh, can speak in riddles, as your old man was to you when you are a kid. 
So we'll try and make this as simple as possible. So when you are framing a market as a bookie, you go up to a certain percentage and you're trying to make a profit. These days, fixed odds markets, they get down to about 118%. They can start at 130. Critically, a real market is 100% because it's the percentage likelihood of any runner winning. But the difference when you're a punter and you talk about the different ways you can go about it, Toddy, some people, some of our pros that we've um, we've interviewed here on the tutorial go to 85% and rule out some runners and give them no percentage. Some go to 100 for that real market, quote unquote real market. Some people go closer to the 115 that they're likely to get in the, in the market that they're betting into. What is your style? How do you do your percentages as a punter? Uh, well, um, to be honest, again, all those things can work for someone, but I, just because I was trained by my old man, my old man, when um when he was doing like the uh, the TAB meetings, he would always do his market at 130. Um, that was before there was even fixed odds around. It was always the tab. He would do them at 130, yep. and um, then he you know he'd have to make his mind up. You know, like it was again, he did two markets as a bookie. You know, say as a bookie, this is my market. This is the dog I want to lay and all that. And as a punter, you know, these are the dogs you want to back and everything. But I I have stuck with um 130. I know I actually know probably the majority who do do it at a flat hundred and everything. Um, and Again, a few of those people I was talking about earlier, they do. They just do an 80% market, but they've only marked, marked you know, four out of the eight dogs in the race because the rest are, you know, not worth even, not worth the ink in the pen, you know, as, as some would say. Um, but I, with mine, I just, I do 130 because that's just how my old man was. Um, even though he knew the tad bet 118 at the time, he just went to 130 and then virtually um, used his own discretion to what was a bet, what wasn't. And um, that was the one thing. He didn't really have like a need to be 10% over the price to be a bet in that. He just decided first, you know, I'm either going to, I'm either going to lay this, or if I can't lay that, I'm back in these. Um, but 130 is what I do my market to 130, and obviously that can go, you know, sometimes it's 128, sometimes it's 132, you know, with your roundings and stuff like that. Um, I'm still old school. I don't do like the old, uh, you know, like four dollars eighty and twenty three dollars and stuff like that. Like I don't do those eight dollars fifty. You know, I don't do those kind of prices. It's just it's seven to. You know, if it, it's it's three to one, four bucks, or it's seven to two, or you know, a nine to two and stuff, but you won't be seeing, you won't see, you won't see nine dollars fifty ever appear on one of my price sheets. Uh, like no, no, there won't be nine fifty on mine. Yep, or twelve dollars. That's my dad's most hated price, twelve bucks. Yeah, there's no such thing as eleven to one. There's no such thing as tens or twelve. <laughs> no such thing as eleven. Yep. Yeah, that's re- that's real old school. Six to four, five to four, seven yeah. to two, thirty-three to one. That's it. You can't have a thirty-three dollar dog. Yeah, thirty-four. No, no, it's thirty-four. Thirty-four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but one thirty, one thirty is what I do, and it's just because that's how I was. Um, that's how I was brought up. And again, it's just that was the formula I was learnt. That's the formula. Luckily, I started winning on, and that's the formula I still win on now. Not you know, not not all the time, but consistently. So um, if yeah, if it ain't bro- that's what I do. If it ain't broke, I'm not going to fix it. All right, we've only probably in this first section got another minute. And we we won't continue with percentages for the whole hour, I promise, because we're going to get on to yeah. broader punning philosophies, but it's something that I love, Toddy loves. I think everybody who really, really loves the mechanics of punting enjoys mm. percentages. But I just want to make this point before we go to a break. I'm the same as you, but I learned the same way because I started – Doing prices for the paper or um, for the harness racing website, I did them to 130% because now these days, most fixed odds markets that aren't unbelievably unfair open about 130 And some punters will tell you, and this is, this is why nobody should judge anybody else, will say, 
well, you shouldn't do that. You're not going to find the overs. It should be 100%. But the way we do it, Toddy, means that you're actually looking at exactly the same percentage market as that fixed odds market when it opens. So in, in a weird way, for the way you and I work, it's perfect because I don't want to go down to 100% and then have to find something that's, you know, yeah. uh, you try to find but over. Yeah, I'm trying to find that. overs becomes incredibly hard, doesn't it? Your market's going to align with the percentage of the real market, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it is. And sometimes, some races, there's just, there is none. If you if you have to force a bet or you have to force a tip, don't. That's a, it, should, it should never it should never be forced. It should never be forced. If there's going to be an arm twisted in that. I mean, I know when you do the paper and all that, you've got to put, I know when I do like the paper and the advertise, I've got to put in the first four for every race. But uh, sometimes when it comes to actually, you know, staking and actually, you know, when it comes to putting the dollar on, Gosh, if you got it, if you if you look at something and nothing jumps off, if you, if you look at a market and you compare it to yours and nothing jumps off the page, or even for a second you go, oh, I've got this, you know, eight bucks and they're betting, you know, fifteen, but then you go, but that that's that is a good over, but if it's a race that you're and are and about, that's the one thing as well. Maybe I do. I, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to leave a race alone. Like if there's two or three races which don't take my fancy, I'll pop the kettle on, have a cup of tea. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> A little bit of a chamomile for Toddy. We'll go for a break now, come back. There's a couple of points we've already touched on that I want to uh, bring up. With 48 Shades of Love and Affection, when we come back, more on SEN Track here on Trot's Live Tuesday tutorial with Toddy Gray in just a moment. Welcome back. We've got a legend on the line, Tuesday Toddy Gray, and a couple of points I wanted to raise. One uh, from your old man there about um, finding overs and what's an over and what's a bet and all the rest of it. But I love what you said right at the end of that first egg, 48 about not forcing a bet because if you do, um, quite often I reckon people do, right, because they are frightened. They like one and they think, I don't want to see it go around and win without me being on and they get psychologically warped if they miss a winner. But sometimes Mm. if you're doing it the right way, you do have to be willing to miss a winner or two, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, for me, though, look, price is king, but what else is king is consistency. Consistency is king, and it took me years, more, more years than it really should have, and more years of my old man virtually just, you know, smacking me on the wrist going, naughty, silly, why'd you do that? Of just, yeah, you've got to be consistent. Yes, you are going to miss the odd winner. You are, it is going to happen, and you can, yeah, yeah I, I know I, I spat the dummy, and I, I kicked the couch, I went all huffy and pouty, but at the end of the day, if again more times than not, you know you're gonna miss the odd one, but you're gonna miss plenty more. Plenty would get beat. Um, yeah, it, again, nothing. You shouldn't. If it feels like a chore, you just don't do it. That's that's it's that simple. Um, but yet that's again consi- just when it comes to consistency. Yes, there's gonna be dogs which you look at or horses and trots and everything. You go look at and go, that's over. That's double what I got it. But if you virtually just put a big old X through the race, then that, if that's your first instinct, then that's the right one. If that makes sense, uh, 100% does, and you make a really good point. First of all, you don't want to you don't spend your whole life um, never improving. But when I talk about punting personality, you do have to get to know yourself. Unfortunately, and this is what I say to, to punters that are getting into it and have been around for a couple of years, that it takes everybody a long time to work out who they are as a punter and then work to their strengths. Don't worry about your weaknesses. Just avoid them. Work to your strengths. Now, consistency. Tell me, is that in, is that in doing the form or purely as a punter? Has your methodology 
um, altered significantly over the years in terms of the actual analysis, or are you talking about consistency as in when to go for the footy and when not to go for the footy on the punt? Uh, well, both both in a sense. Like when it comes to doing uh, when it comes to doing a market, if there's anything I got to do, like there's a race where I got to do any type of guesswork. Um, call me lazy, but I just I just leave it alone. Like I know uh, you've probably noticed when a bunch of like when we have feature races in SA, like Adelaide Cup and all that, when there's a bunch of interstate dogs. Um, like I I'll be honest, I don't keep my finger on the pulse of interstate racing nearly as much as I should. I know the top graders and all that, but you know. If you ask me what one race three at Waterbull on Wednesday, I, I wouldn't even know Waterbull had a meeting. If, you know, that's pretty much how it is. Um, so you, you you do got to be consistent there. Like if I look at a race and there's a slight example, if there's a maiden at Murray Bridge and there's three or four first starters and I know zero, nothing about them, that race, no thank you, let's move on. I've, I'll save myself 30 or 40 minutes. There's no point doing a market on a race where I'm just throwing darts. Um, I don't owe it to myself. I don't owe it to the, you know, the, the, the followers that I, I do have, um, you know, be them regulars or, you know, part-timers or just fly-by-nighters. Um, so they're the ones I leave alone because, I, again, I, I go to the trials a fair bit, but I'm not dedicated enough to go to Murray Bridge and watch them. I have, um, luckily, the grades, we have a we have a person there who kind of files back to us. But if there's any interstate, if there's any interstate dogs or first starters I know nothing about, I leave those races alone. So that's the consistency there. And, yeah, sometimes you will see... You know, like a local dog beat the interstaters and you go, oh, that dog shouldn't have been double figures. But at the same time, if you did take it, what what am I hoping for here when I don't know half the dogs it's running against? And when it comes to the punting side of it, it is just about, you know, sticking, especially with your staking, you know, um, what, you know, what you got on, what you got on. You don't just, you know, you don't just go for the doctor because the dog's three or four times the price you want. Even if it's in a bad race, just it might be a massive, it might be a massive over, but if it's in a bad race, don't, don't start having double or triple what you normally would on, even if you're in a good run. That's one thing I did do many times when I started. When you're in what I call God mode and you just can't <laughs> find a loser, you just cannot find a loser, all of a sudden you start going, wait a minute, you know, I'm happy to mention them. Well, why? I've had I've had 300 on this dog where, not, you know, like a month ago and I'd only had, you know, 50 or 100 on. Why? Just because you're, just because you're in, a, in a good form. I know they say, you know, you know, some people like to bet up when they've got it, but um, no, I'd, I'd rather just stay consistent to keep my head above water. I like said, pay the rent every week rather than win the house one week and then have to sell it the next. Yeah, so you, that was probably that was probably a long tangent. No, that, no, made that answer a lot shorter. No, that is it, it, really really crucial lessons to learn um, because, and sometimes you just think to yourself, uh, I, I, I've got the mark, I've got this market right. I've, I've had, I've had the last ten right. I've got these bookies covered. I, I can't lose here. Like Denzel Washington in training day, I'm winning, I just can't lose. Well, he lost in the end, didn't he? And, yeah. and we do sometimes. But he, here's a, a couple of keys I want to bring up out of that. One, I might brush over this one, but sometimes, sometimes, and they say defy the drift, you've got to trust yourself. But sometimes if it's too good to be true, there's a reason for that, isn't there? So if you've marked one at $3 and, all of a sudden, and they're 15 now sometimes you're right, but occasionally... The one thing, yeah. the one thing you can't know, you're none of us are living with the greyhounds or the horses every second of every day. And if something looks utterly ridiculous, occasionally, occasionally, it's because that dog hasn't had a great week, or because you, you can't be with them every day, can you? So, uh, you know, you got to trust yourself and you got to back your own markets. But sometimes, if something looks ridiculous and you see fifteen dollars you've marked at three, and then you decide to have the lot on, that's when you can get into trouble, I reckon. Uh, yep, uh, exactly. Like, you, you know, like, 
I can tell you what some dogs eat for breakfast, but I can't tell you what they all do. <laughs> now, a lot happens behind the a front door, let alone a kennel house door, and a week's a long time in racing in any kind of code. Um, but like, as you were saying, actually, um, I'll try not to ramble on too much about this, but a great example of this was, um, was, was last night. Um, uh, down at the down at Murray Bridge, right? Um, my, funny enough, my lay of the night ended up turning into a winning result. Not my best ever, but um, again, you, if you just based off price, you would have went to the doctor on this. But um, I, I, I didn't. Um, there was a dog at Murray in the Murray Bridge Cup called Raver's Army. Um, look, the, the fixed odds opened at a dollar forty. That's the one thing is well. I always try. I always get my markets done before five thirty when the old bet three six five go up because uh, I don't want to be in tight. You know, I don't want to. Compel like having my market done before three six fives go up, for, so I at least know that I'm not being. I don't want to use the word corrupted, but influenced in any way. 100%. But uh, anyway, before the markets went up, I had Raiders Army two twenty. You know, best dog in the race, strong distance. You know, happy to keep honest. You know, then the markets go up and it's four to ten. So straight away, and this is what normal people don't understand. Normal straight away, you go, oh, you're not going to have to bet two twenty to lay this. Look, it's a dollar forty. The dog jumped at three dollars fixed. By the time they got to the boxes, it was three dollars fixed. When they um. When, when I put my 220 up, it was a dollar eighty. I put my 220 up on Betfair. Uh, then it got out the 220, and that was it. That's my top price. Never let people dictate to you what the price are. That the price is, you know. Once again, it'll hurt when they get rolled. But in this case, when it got the 220, that's it. I've dropped out. It's like an auction, you know. I've dropped. I've dropped out now. Um, by the time they got to, the, by the time they were being behind the boxes, it was four bucks. Now, I ended up. Now I only, only threw a hundred on it because once again, if I just was being consistent, I would have just. I would have had. I would add more than that on it, but I just I, in the end it went from being my layer that I said, oh I I got to have something on it. But as you were saying, and I, once again I've rambled on too long about this. No, I, I if if that was a dog, if that was a two dollar twenty pop, which I thought was a good thing, four dollars you you do you, you you don't go to town on it, but you have your your regular you know your your regular amount to it, whether it be odds to a thousand, odds to five hundred, whatever you want. But this was just no, I'm just going to throw a hundred on it just because once again I don't I actually don't like it, but the price is just it's too it's it is too big and the dog ended up winning so um it's and those results yep okay i had 100 on it four bucks i've won 300 you know but to me that felt like triple or quad you know quadruple because i posted 500 up at 220 i was willing to lose 600 on the dog and i've ended up winning 300 and it's got the cash well so and, to me that was like a 900 dollars turnaround if that makes sense which but, is virtually like my odds to a thousand that's that, how my brain works on the case but yeah i ended up t- imagine trying to tell someone that especially people who don't really know that but you know, see this, see this dollar forty pop. Yep, you don't have to bet four. You, you'll get four dollars that tomorrow. They look at you like you, you're, you know, you're a leper, <laughs> but you belong in the insane asylum. But um, uh, that's where it is. You don't, you don't always have to go. You don't always have to go for the big result. Um, I think that's the question you asked. I went on another tangent there. No, that that is terrific. And like the, the uh, versatility and malleability on the punt. If you if you're going to do your prices and you can work within the confines of that, don't get. Now I talk about punting personality, but there are some rules. Don't get hardcore. Yep. Don't get concrete. Don't follow follow the flow of where the money is going. And if and a lay can turn into a bet, just as you've said, or a bet can turn into a lay. And you've just yep. got you've got to be willing to do that. And that, and that's great to have an example. But you, you say, um, imagine telling somebody this. This is exactly why we do tutorials like this yeah. because people looking at it going, yeah, people will recall a situation similar to that in the past and think. Yes, okay, that's that's the way I go about it. We've got to go to the news in just a moment, but there are a few points I definitely want to talk about. There's three in particular that I want to raise, and the problem is 
um, every time you utter your mouth and, and go on one of these wonderful monologues, you raise another point. So I'm going to have to mark these down while the news is on. We'll be back in a moment. More Toddy Gray coming. Welcome back to the Tuesday tutorial. Toddy Gray, we're having a very enjoyable chat. We're getting somewhere. You always go through these hours and they're too fast because you're trying to get everything in. And you never do, but we're getting a fair bit. Now, there's a couple of points I want to raise. One of them. You mentioned earlier um, not doing a lot of work on the interstate greyhounds. Now, this is something that is also very hard sometimes for people to do, and I totally understand this because it is a hell of a lot of fun sometimes. Gamble responsibly, call one 858 if it becomes a problem. We, you know, when you're on tilt, so to speak, and you want to have a bet everywhere and you're playing it like the pokies, and sure, that is fun. But the truth is having expert knowledge and an edge in your punting is so much easier, Toddy. And I think this is the point that you're making where you focus on a code in a jurisdiction. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, like I know the few shows I've done, like Saturday Night Trackside with SEN, but, you know, I do go through I, – I, I go through some I go through some of the trotting form. I go through the horse form. I go through the dog form because I know we're going to be covering all those meetings. I'm not doing markets on them. I'll give you the hot tip. Um, but you're right, like, I, I don't keep up with interstate as much because there's a, it's hard enough to just be on the pulse of everything that's happening in SA when it comes to, you know, trial form. And we race 13 days a fortnight as well and two two days a week with Mount Gambier as well on Sundays and Thursdays. So there's plenty of happening just in um, just SA. I think, oh, you'd, you'd, go, you'd go mad trying to follow everything and not, not to sound rude or arrogant or anything like that, but I do. I rate myself. I'm not, I'm not the best at what I do. I'm not perfect. I don't want to be the best. When you are, yeah, more people come for you. Um, but like, I know that I'm good, I'm good at what I do when it comes to SA dogs. Um, so I'd rather, stick, I'd rather be good at one thing, be probably very good at one thing, than be all right at several. You know, I tip my hat to people like yourself and Mitch when you've got to sit in that studio multiple times a week and they go to Queensland in New South Wales. Now we're at SA. Now we're over in Tassie and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd do my block. Like, I, if I had hair, I'd pull it out by now, but it's already fallen out by its own accord. Um, yeah, I am. That's it. I'd rather, I don't want to use, so I will use the term for the lack of a better analogy, but I'm not putting myself on that pedestal. I'd rather be a master of one thing, you know, than just like a, you know, like a, just above average at others or just average at everything. Yeah. I, I, SA is my backyard. So, I know my backyard, like the back of my hands, so I don't really venture out of it too much. Well, I, it's kind of my safety net. I know what I'm doing. It's not, well, the truth is, it's you know, it's not that easy to get an edge anywhere. So, no. so you you want to be punting, and even outside outside of the form, as a punter, you want to be punting somewhere you believe you've got an expert knowledge that is superior to others, don't you? So, at the end of the day, you can you can have a go everywhere, and I'm always amazed. Um, how well we're able to do and the lids fly um, going everywhere. But basically, you want to be going into a race where you're betting at Angle Park, knowing that out of the entire pool, you've got probably, you know, that top-end elite knowledge, and that's going to give you just an infinitely better chance of winning. I mean, I think punters going to sometimes unpopular, non-glamorous areas, um, and I won't say, well, somebody focusing purely on... Hobart and Launceston, uh, yep. have, I think you've got an infinitely better chance of winning than it, the punting, um, uh, trying to punt between Flemington and Ramdwick on a Saturday on the thoroughbreds because yeah. you're dealing with, yep. and you're do, doing this a lot in SA, you're dealing with a pool of dogs that you know like the back of your hand, and that's a huge thing, isn't it? Well, exactly. I, I, 
some people say, you know, like how long does it take you to do a market and like a, a meeting and all that? Sometimes it can take me two hours. Sometimes it can take me five. It depends. But like you said, it helps. Like when you look at like Angle, Angle Park on a Monday, you know, I'll be able to sit there and I know 90% of the dogs. I know what their traits are. I know and all that. So you don't need to go back and watch a bunch of replays because you just, you kind of, you know their traits. You know what they can do. You know what kind of um, sections and that they can run. I'd rather tell someone a dog I know can win rather than a dog I think can win, if that makes sense. And um, that's what I do. In SA, I know what I'm doing. Everywhere else, I think I know what I'm doing. It's, uh, it's only the one word change, but it completely changes the entire context of it all. Um, but yeah, like you, you do, you learn, you just learn these little traits. You still learn them when you're watching the interstate dogs and all that. But some of these dogs, you know, which are racing, I've kind of, you know, I've watched them grow up from, you know, day one. Like I, we're going to talk about the number one dog in SA right now, Victor Damien. I was there the first trial he had at, um, at uh, Angle Park when he had a hand slip. And he went faster than dogs like Mally Magic, who won the Grey End of the Year and all that. And you just you sit there and you watch these dogs grow up. So you kind of you learn their little traits, you learn what they can do, you watch them flourish, and they virtually become, like I said, they're like your home your hometown team. Like you you know your hometown team better than you know the uh, you know the visitors and stuff like that. I'll tell you what, we're going to get in the last seg to your some of your broader philosophies, but a point uh, brought up right at the start of this shoot. Your old yeah. man talking about you, know, you talking about your old man. Uh, looking at the overs and not necessarily saying, well, it needs to be 8% over my price or 10 or 12, and that's a bet. You've got some people like um, Ben Gray, uh, Ben Cray's a great example, does his markets and price is king to the point where, and I've already, you've had these discussions with him as well, but he came on the tune some time ago, like absolutely automatonic in a way, that's your price, this is my price, and now I, I bet every single over in the race for a certain amount to make it collect. I don't do it that way, but I often think about uh, form analysis and punting as very much a right brain, left brain activity where you've got to use intuition. I, at least I have to. My personality is I'm the same as your old man. A certain percentage price overs is not necessarily going to make me want to have a bet. There's something else that's got to be in play, experience, intuition. Try and explain your philosophy on price versus when you're going to have a bet, are you somebody who will bet every single time you see an over? Does it have to be a certain percentage? Or are you like your old man and me where there's got to be a little bit of intuition in play? Uh, no, intuition, um, all intuition, um, everything. Like, like, believe it or not, this will sound silly, but like never on my tipping pages and that. But I've, I have had bets in races on dogs which I actually don't really think can win, but dogs I can do a little bit of what, well, for lack of a better word, trading on. You know, it's not dogs like, oh, I'm, I don't really like this, but I've got it six bucks and they're 15. You know, um, I'm very confident I could do something with that. And I know not everyone does all this, but uh, so I'll get 100 on it, 15 bucks. By the time the race comes, it's seven or $8. They're taking nine or 10 on Betfair. I take my 100 back. I know it's not much, or I take 150 back and you just sit there like, lovely, I'm going to make 50 bucks just for watching the race, you know? Um, so you can do little things like that. Like, uh, again, I'll get back on, but I'll, I'll, I'll ram- I won't ramble too long. But, like, when it comes to trading, one of the best things I ever did was in a tennis match. In a two-horse race, I laid the favourite at $1. thirty. then they lost the first set in a women's game, and the other person became $1. thirty. you know. So I've ended up with, um, you know, I've laid them both at $1. thirty. Until this day, I still have no idea who won that game because I turned it off after the first set. So, but, you know, that, that's one when you just find overs and stuff like that. But uh, when it comes to racing, it's all, it's, just all intuition for myself. Once again, my gut, my gut tells me I just go with my gut and virtually how I've been trained and all that a lot. Like I'll see a race and, you know, like I said, Raver's Army, for the example, I, uh, it didn't cost me anything again, but I'll use that dog for an example. There was about three or four bets in that race because obviously the dog was just 
you know, a good 30% under what it should have been. Um, and I'm sitting there going, I could, do I want to back these dogs? I'm like, no, I don't want to back these dogs because I want to lay the favourite. That is what I want to do in this race. I want to lay the favourite and the rest of the dogs can run for me. I don't want to have back these dogs. And in the end, my, my goal is to lay the favourite. So that race for me right then was just to lay, lay the fave. Um, it didn't go, obviously didn't go to plan, but luckily I got out of it with a profit. But that was when I saw that race straight away. I went, yep, there's a few overs in this race, but I don't want to back them. I want to lay this favourite if they take the shorts. I, I, I hope that answers the question. No, that, I, I, I just love this. This is a great tutorial. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. We've got about, we'll take another break in a minute and then get, so we can cover the last segment and get even more done. But I love... Uh, the talking about the trading, sometimes it's a difficult thing to explain. It really isn't a tough concept, um, but you, backing a horse at the wrong price and then getting it back once it shortens somewhere near where you've got it marked. But here's the key, Toddy. Here's the uh, the take home message from all of this. You can either be somebody who enjoys punting and wants to sit around with mates and wants the glory of a win and needs to be on the horse or the greyhound when it wins so that you can celebrate, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to be successful on the punt, it's got to be a money-making venture, doesn't it? So what you're saying is, I'm happy to not be invested in that race, which is very hard for people to do sometimes. Or I'm willing to back dogs that I don't think will win. And all of this sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? But at the end of the day, you're there to try and make a profit. And that's and that's 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 the key defining line here between wanting to be a recreational punter and actually wanting to make some coin out of it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You don't you don't go broke winning, even if it's you know even if it's small. You know, little fish taste sweet. You know, like if I um I do a little bit of trading on a race on a dog I don't think can win, but by the time I get to the boxes, I'm like, okay, if it wins, I make two hundred bucks. If it gets beat, I make seventy. Like that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you can do that four, five, six times a week, you've made yourself you know three, four, five hundred bucks for nothing like I, you know this dog i was talking about i made 70 dollars on oh i'm telling you is if i was walking down the street and i found 70 bucks on the ground i'd bend over and pick it up i would and that's virtually what you or what i did in some of these races but the key to that is backing yourself in like when i when i see this 15 dollars, i i don't go i think i go i know this dog is going to start shorter i know i can make a you know a couple of you know a thruppence on the race and i will like i um i'm i might be a bit of a cheapskate but uh, i'll i'll take Mate, my my word! I remember if I see a twenty cent coin in the urinal, I won't pick it up, but I'll pick out a two dollar coin, throw that in. Two twenties worth going for. <laughs> yeah, not not twenty cents. Uh, and uh, no, and don't take the seventy bucks out of any woman's purse. Make sure you've, it's on the ground. No. We're gonna we've got about six minutes left, I reckon, when we come back from the break, and there's still a fair bit to get through. So stick with us. Tuesday, yeah, cheer with Toddy Gray. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Final segment. I wish it wasn't. I'd like another half now. Can we buy another half an hour? Yeah, we found twenty cents in the no, twenty cents in the urinal is not going to pay for another half an hour, Toddy. Unfortunately, but <laughs> I want to rip through a few here. Yeah, uh, one, I'll try to stop rambling. One from earlier uh, about doing your own markets before looking at a market. So crucial yep. if that's the way you want to go about it. I'll tell you one thing, and it's cost me a lot of money over the years. But on the uh, on the trots, there's a big Saturday night meeting. The markets come out about an hour after the fields come out. I just yeah, have to, I, I just have to accept that it's I'm not I might there might be an over there I'm just not going to take it because I want to have done my form and get the market right because again particularly if you're uh, relatively new to the game or new to doing markets you you think you won't be influenced you will be so get yours done first right uh, yeah, uh, I know for a fact. I it's like trying to avoid a spoiler, especially like you know, you know the the markets are up for the Adelaide Cup heats on Monday, and they're racing on Thursday. 
And I, I hate hearing that because I'm like, well, now, great. Now I've got to try to fight every urge of my body to not click that, you know, button to go see the prices until I've done my own. Because it does. You might not think it does, but it gets into your head and it does end up, you know, changing your price because you might go, oh, I'm, I'm, I've got this dog's 20s. And then part of you go, oh, the, they've only got an eight bucks. Well, then I don't need to bet 20s, do I? It's old mouth market 11. It's kind of weird how it gets into your head. And it's bizarre this, um, now because, you know, things have changed over the years. Even in my time, you know, it's changed. Let alone thinking about my dad and all that, where most of the betting firms will bet, bet virtually the same market. You don't get the ones any day, anymore where one firm's got this four bucks, the other one's got it seven. You know, it'll be, they've got it four, and you might be lucky to get four twenty, four forty on the others. So looking at one market is virtually looking at all of them. Um, I know with my day-to-day life, I know that, like, um, you know, if Angle Park, Angle Park tomorrow will go up. Uh, Angle Park on Thursday will go up at 5.30 on Wednesday. I need to have my market done by 5 o'clock so I don't get tempted to click over and kind of, well, not, not cheat for lack of a better word, but let that influence what I'm going to price dogs and stuff at. And when it gets to further along, yeah, just try. It's like trying to avoid a spoiler in a movie. You just got to try to just dodge it, dodge it, dodge it. Because I, I do. I am very adamant and consistent about getting my markets done before I know any else are available. All right, with about five minutes to go, I'll, I'll make this more of a statement on something you've said earlier, and then I want to get just a few broader punning philosophies. But I do want to say this. I think you're an amazing asset for Greyhound Racing South Australia because of your depth and breadth of knowledge. The thing is, you can tip you can tip Greyhounds, great. Yep. You can do this. And that, yeah. This depth of knowledge, even going back, back to an earlier point about uh, trading, backing, and laying, um, the thing is, I spoke about the glory that punters sometimes feel about getting a winner. But I tell you what, that adrenaline rush when, you, when you're making a profit out of a race, always think about punting. You're trying to beat the bookie. You're trying to beat the bookie. And if you don't even have to watch a race and you're still thieving money from them, that is a glory all of its own. Um, tell us, uh, things we've missed, missed out on. Now, I don't have many concrete rules, but are, are there general uh, philosophies that outside of what we've already spoken about that drive – Drive the way you do your form or the way you punt or both? Uh, none actually will come off the top of my head um, without really rehearsing. Are you an early, like, is, is early pace, um, does that make up, yes, does that make up 70 or 80% of the, because of I know a lot of, I know a lot of pros in greyhound racing who it feels like they don't even do form. It's, it's nearly all early pace. It's really, it's like the trots. It's very critical, isn't it? Yeah, uh, now I'm right with you. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm a big one to find the leader because obviously, if you're in front, you know, yeah, there's no trapping that to find. Um, look, I like watching stayers and dogs that come from behind. It's more of a spectacle. But when I look at a race, I try to find just what's going to lead, what's going to lead. That's I am more leader based than anything. Um, because once again, the leader might not determine your tip. Like I might not tip the dog I think can lead, but if I think this dog can lead and I think the favourite needs to lead, all of a sudden the favourite becomes a bigger risk and that opens up the race and everything like that. I think if you can find a leader in the race, and that goes back to just watching replays, getting all the first splits. Watching replays is pivotal for mine because a dog might run fifth, but you can see all of a sudden, you, you know, it makes the black book because it got blocked for a run and everything like that. Replays are the number one tool I use. Um, even And when it comes to betting as well, Betfair, even if you don't have an account, Betfair is a great tool to have because it shows you the real, the proper goes and the not proper goes. You know, there might be a dog which has been $8 in the five, but they're still betting double figures on Betfair. That's not a proper go. If it's eight in the five and they're taking six on Betfair, that's a proper go because that's where the proper money is. But uh, I like to find leaders when I do races and that. And I know... Um, my old man is completely the same because he used to like when he used to do form. It would take him six hours to do a meeting at least. Like he would the amount of depth he would go into. He would um 
he would sit in his chair, and uh, when I was small, I had no idea what he was doing. It was kind of like, and I mean this with the utmost respect because uh, I adore my old man. He is my idol when it comes to the form and everything like that. He is. I don't want him to listen to this because I, I, I do get a big head. <laughs> uh, when I was small, I'd come out into the lounge room, and for, once again, I mean this with all respect, but he would sound like Rain Man running an auction. That's the only way I could put it. He'd be, he'd be sitting in his head going, you know, like, it's 442, 442 to the post. What's 442? Favourite, he goes, can only go 445. It's drawn next to it, cuts in. He'll go 442, cut the favourite off. Like, he would sit there like that. It was virtually like he was. Rain Man running an auction is the best way to put it. Um, but he, again, and that's just kind of rubbed off of me over. But uh, you've got to find the pace because the pace in the race not only it kind of dictates how the race will be run. Uh, um, and again, you find a lot of, you can find a, you find a leader. You're halfway to finding the winner as well. But it, like, again, it shapes the entire race. G'day, Vaughn Rigney and Wellers. Right, well, one minute to go. Um, I, I do want to mention quickly with the leader as well, with the markets, You are if you find the leader, you might not find the winner again, but the good judges late are going are going to do their, their speed maps and they're going yep. to punt it as well. So that, that's where it can be critical. Final question. I wish it wasn't, Toddy. I don't, think, yeah. I, I, think, I, I don't think either of us want to stop this right now, but the final question is, in a couple of words, uh, distances. Do you avoid the short or the long, or is it very much, if this is the right race and the right greyhound, I'm happy to play. I'm not worried about the distance. I'm just worried about finding the right races. Uh, I am. I, I will bet and declare anything in any distance, to be honest, if I think the price is right. The price, again, determines everything. But I am a little bit more more confident and I'm more tentative when it comes to the cannonballs. Like when they're over, you know, the 342 at Angle Park, the 400 at Gawler, you know, those those ones, those are completely pace orientated. You know, one bump can change everything. Um, so, no, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to tip in any distance. It doesn't really turn me off, but it does. The confidence level does drop down maybe 10 percent or at least the gear when um, it's over the old short. Um, uh, 500. I'm just traditional like that. The 500 meter races, they're my favourite. Uh, 700 is the best spectacle to watch. But 500s for me and the cannonballs, I, I will have a bet in them. But again, it just uh, yeah, more more work needs to be done there because you have to find the pace. It all just the charge of the light brigade early. Uh, we have covered more ground than the early settlers, and it still feels like I want to keep going on this Birkin Wills exploration with you. This has been one of the best shoots uh, ever, really, because of the ground that we've covered, and it's been great chatting with you, getting a little bit of an idea of how you go about things, right from back in lane to um, playing at certain tracks to, well, I'm with you on this intuition sometimes over, you know, an automatonic way of doing things. Having said that, if that's the way you prefer to do it and that works for you, make sure you go about it that way. Critically, and this is the thing I love most about the tutorials, neither you nor I nor anybody should ever stop learning. But I tell you what, I've learned a fair bit today. I reckon the listeners have as well. Very much appreciate your time, Todd Linton. We'll talk again soon. I have loved every second of that. Uh, and thank you to anyone who's listened to the whole thing for letting me ramble on. I, once again, when I do start talking, I find it hard to stop, as you know. Um, again, if you ever want me to have, if you ever want to have me back on, I'm only a phone call away because I'm the same as you. Ready? Touch the tip of the iceberg. It's a what a great industry this is. But, but well, again, there's just so many methods. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. But there's just your way. And when you find your way, you stick with your way. Hundred percent correct. It's time to say au revoir. Trackside coming up. Hopefully, you've enjoyed that. I certainly have. Catch up with you tomorrow.